Let's pray at this point in the service. We'll, we'll pray and then we'll get into God's word together. Daddy, thank you for being such a safe place, um, a safe person for us to come to. No matter what we're feeling today, no matter uh, how well or poorly we feel the past week has gone, the past year has gone, um, you are available to us and you love us. And so I pray that as we continue our worship of you, as we look to your word, um, would you soften our hearts and and would we uh, make every effort to be attentive to you and to hear from you this morning? We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So identity... Identity is a core human issue. It is also a complex human issue. Uh, Identity is core because it is tied to our value and where we find our value as human beings. So some different places or sources of identity is relationships, whether it's your family of origin, uh, your marriage, or meaningful friendships. Uh, Identity is part And our sexuality is part of our identity. We see that uh, distorted, but we see it throughout our world today uh, that people are are known by their sexuality, their sexual orientation as part of their identity. Um, Vocationally, what you are able to do, you know, like uh, when you might meet someone, you say, oh, what's your name? What do you do? You know, like this is, this is often tied up into our sense of identity. And so asking the question, who am I? It it is a core issue to you and to the people around you. It always has been, it always will be. And so it's a a core issue, but it's also a very complex issue because your identity has been forming over years. Your identity, my identity, it comes from deep, deep places inside of us. And like an iceberg, where you see the iceberg, you, you don't see most of the iceberg. Most of an iceberg is underneath the surface. So identity is core. It's also complex. And those, those questions of identity, uh, they implicitly ask and answer how we choose to live and what we believe to be the good life. Our identity and what we believe to be the good life are all tied together. And so when Jesus tackles the question of what's the good life at the start of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, he, he ends this, this beginning part that we've been looking at. Uh, he ends it with speaking to his disciples on their identity. And so this is kind of the last week of part one of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to start this last week by reading this whole kind of introduction section of the Sermon on the Mount. So... Here's what Jesus says, Matthew 5. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So as I said, this is the last week of part one. Uh, in, our, in our overview sermon, overview of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we had five parts. And the first part is embracing our blessedness, the fact that we are blessed, we're well off because we're in the kingdom. And uh, I want to remind us before we dive into to our smaller section today of like, we actually started not just the Sermon on the Mount, but we started at the beginning of Matthew. And we saw this, this big theme that Matthew kept coming back to. It, it was in a single word, Matthew's emphasis is fulfillment. The fulfillment of all of God's promises and all of God's purposes being fulfilled in Jesus. And Matthew likes to show that theme by using the words as it is written or as the prophets said to repeatedly make this point. And so let, let's, let's kind of transition into the passage we're talking about today. When Jesus says to his followers, you're blessed because I'm your king, it just makes sense. Because if he's the point of all of human history and he is leading us, then, then we're well off. We are blessed. We have got it good. And that doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. They will. Jesus promised in this world you'll have trouble. But again, take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. So I wanted, I wanted to remind us of that bigger, bigger theme as we continue our slowed down pace of walking through Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. So today, today we're just going to look at verses 13 to 16. This is what we're going to focus on. So let's read it again to keep it fresh. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So, we had just finished the Beatitudes where, um, again, like I, like I just said, uh, if Jesus is the point of all of human history and he's our king, we're well off, no matter your circumstances. And now, 
Who is Jesus calling salt and light? It's his disciples. Those who, no matter the circumstances, are well off because Jesus is their king. And he's, he's giving them, he's speaking straight to their identity. He's talking to his disciples and tells them who they are. Out of that identity, they are to do, and we are to do what we're told. So let's, let's look at these two descriptions that Jesus gives for his disciples' identity. Um, the first description is salt, which salt is a preservative. It adds flavor, but salt was also of great value. Um, in the ancient world, Roman soldiers during this time were often paid in salt. How would you like for your direct deposit to be just salt, right? And so think about that. And Jesus says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, which chemically is impossible, you know, like chemically, if if it's salt, it's not going to change its chemistry. But back then, the salt wasn't pure. It wasn't pure salt. And so what Jesus is saying is, if, if the salt lost its saltiness, then it's not useful for anything. You know, um, it's like counterfeit money. It, you just, you know, trample on it. So it, it, salt was valuable. As well as being a preservative and adding flavor, salt was valuable. And Jesus says to his disciples, you are salt. You are the earth's preserving, flavor-giving value. And then he says, you are light as the second description of our identity. And light, I mean, it's intended to show and reveal things for what they are. It's kind of obvious. You don't need me to turn off these switches and see what happens in the room. You, You all know. You won't be able to see as clearly if we shut the blinds. Less light comes in. And, uh, it becomes harder to see things as they are. Your face still looks the same if the lights are off, but you can't see it in the same way if the lights are off. And so Jesus, the light of the world, says to his disciples, you are the light of the world. And this is an indicative statement. Uh, I haven't gotten over my grammar from last week. Uh, Last week we looked at indicatives and imperatives. This is a statement of fact, which impacts how we are to act. Jesus says, this is who you are. This is your identity as my apprentice, as my disciple. You are salt, you are light. And I got to thinking this week, have you ever wondered, how could Jesus say that? Like he he knows all of our junk, all of our sin. So how could Jesus look at them and, and look at us as his apprentices today, and how could he say that this proud, self-pity, selfish person is the salt of the earth, is the light of the world? And, and the short answer is he's just that kind of guy. He really is. Because remember, these same disciples that Jesus spoke this message to originally later abandoned him, denied him, even betrayed him. And the good news is that our identity is given from God. A God who calls things that are not as though they were. God is ultimate reality. God has said, 
you are salt, you are light. And if you're connected with your sin at all, I mean, this really does rock your world. When theologian Karl Barth was asked, uh, in your life's work, you know, of studying the Bible, what's the most profound truth you've found? Uh, Bart replied, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The fact that we have this identity given to us from God, who is ultimate reality, this should rock our world when we are even somewhat aware of how sinful we are to the core. And so Jesus starts with our identity in this brilliant brilliant sermon that he gave thousands of years ago. He starts with our identity, who you are, who we are. Again, a summary of the Beatitudes is you are blessed in the kingdom. You are blessed because you belong to and follow the king. And now he says, you are salt, you are light. And only then, after establishing the fact of who you are, where your identity and your value comes from, only then does he tell us something to do. That's the imperative, the command. And it's at the very end of our passage. He says, in the same way, let your light shine. In, in such a way that can't be hidden, in such a way that's displayed, like a city on a hill can't be hidden. Like you put, like you, you turn the light switch on so that things can be displayed. You do that so that people see your good deeds And don't tell you what a good person you are, but how great your Father in heaven is. And so, let's jump to the end of Matthew's gospel. The famous charge that Jesus says to go and make disciples. He doesn't start there. We often want to start with, all right, this is what we are to go and do. But Matthew Matthew is relaying to us what Jesus did. He grounded his apprentices in their identity. Their identity found in him, coming from him. Our doing must come from our being. That is the way of Jesus. Our doing will only go as far as our being will carry it. So the question, how are you doing it might be a lighthearted question, but it's been a very impactful question when asked from a trusted, safe friend in my life. How are you doing? Not what are you doing. I can give a long answer to what are you doing. And I like to measure my life by what I am doing, but how? It's, it's a being question. And the answer is found in how connected we are to our blessedness. The fact that we're blessed in the kingdom, like Jesus says in the, ser- in the Beatitudes. The answer is found in what you think of yourself when no one else is looking and why you think that way of yourself. The answer is found in how your identity aligns with your actual God-given identity because our doing will only go as far as our being can carry it. And, and you can do, you can, you know, generate action and production for a while, but to last, it must be who you are. Over time, said said another way, over over time, your insides will come out. Your insides will become your outsides. Even if it's on your face. 
And I am passionate. I just really want, as a church, I, I care for your well-being, for our flourishing. And I believe that Jesus is the only path to sustained human flourishing. So, out of my love, out of my concern for you, and frankly, out of just prayer time, I, I'd like to issue a six-month challenge to us as part of our application today and just kind of moving forward. This, this is nothing new for us as a church, but I'd like to kind of create some, some definition um, around how to pursue developing our being and, uh, you know, letting our doing flow from, from our being, who we are. So, uh, so, so here's the six-month challenge. This month, I, or sorry, this, this next six months, this summer type time frame, I'd like to challenge us to spend intentional time alone with God. And again, this isn't new. In, in January, we spent a whole series all through the month of January talking about quiet times. This is spending intentional alone time with God. And uh, yeah, focus on receiving your identity from God because there's a lot of passages like this one that says this is who you are. You are salt. Uh, you are light. Um, so, so we need to hear that in order to move towards living out of that identity. And as we focus on being with Jesus and receiving his love, I, I believe we will make progress to become like Jesus. And, and I'm sure there's people here who, have, who are thinking or feeling, I've tried and I've tried and I just... Oh, I haven't developed that habit. And I just want to say, don't quit. It's, it's worth it. I might even suggest this. This might be kind of a novel idea. If there's something that you like in your life, whether it's running or coffee or a good meal, um, incorporate something that you already enjoy in your time alone with Jesus. Because this discipline should not be a drag it's not just a duty. I mean, it, it's really not. E you have to eat. You have to drink. Is that duty? Well, not really. I mean, many of us find enjoyment in those things. And so I, I'm not saying take the easy way out, but I am saying uh, make a plan that you will actually do. The best plan is the one that you'll do. And don't assume that you have to be miserable to be with Jesus. Because if we actually intend to live all of our life with him as our king, all of our life learning to live in his kingdom, uh, the king has got to seem good to you. And we all move towards what seems good to us. So yes, I am encouraging you to get creative. And so if you're a mom who wakes up, like you don't set alarm clocks because you have five different alarm clocks already set, you know, in the people in your house and all of that kind of thing, then, uh, you know, get creative. Maybe ask your husband, ask someone for 10 minutes alone. And then husbands, wives, close your ears. Husbands, if they ask for 10, give them 15. Serious. That's my, my encouragement to you. It's, it's not about performance. Don't try to make your quiet time about that, but about getting to know the person of Jesus, enjoying God as a person. And so that's the, that's the first piece of our summer challenge. It, again, it, it's going to look different for all of us, but it's going to look the same in the sense of getting intentional time with God. Um, 
So the, here's the second piece. As you spend time with God, pray. I mean, you could set, I, I've set an alarm every day on my phone and it's a five second prayer, but praying for five seconds every single day has made a difference in my life for the last year. Pray that you'd share the gospel at least once in six months. This is part of our six month challenge. Out of our being with Jesus flows our doing. So again, just spend time with God. Out of that, pray. And, and so let your light shine before men that they may praise your Father in heaven. That can only happen, uh, or, so let me say this, I, I misread. That can happen without our words. God can be glorified without our saying anything, but honestly, I don't think we should expect it. God's primary means of receiving glory and worship, his chosen means is through his people. And so you might have heard this quote, you know, Ben, I'm one of those people I like to share the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. Well, it's necessary. And that quote is often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, but in the research that I and people smarter than me have done, it sure does not seem to align with St. Francis's theology at all. There's no real evidence that he ever said that. So the Bible's clear. It's absolutely necessary. Words are necessary to share the gospel. And absolutely, use your words too. So I'd say, Yes, share the good news, share the gospel always, and please don't forget to use your words. And if you're not good with words, you can even use God's words. Uh, Jesus had a great way of, a great condensed way. You could memorize this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, you'll have to probably unpack two different things, repent and the kingdom. But, uh, yeah, I, I believe that God is all for us getting time with him and letting our light shine. Like, I believe we'll experience God as we move towards this. So I'm, I'm calling us, I'm calling me to focus on being who we are in Christ. The goal is not, I want to be really clear, the goal is not to share your faith, to, sh- to share the gospel uh, once in six months because cults can do that. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that without Christ. You can do that on your own. You, we could attract huge, huge crowds, um, and, and that's not the goal. So uh, lastly, the, the third piece of this six-month challenge is don't try. Don't even think about trying to do this alone because if you go back to our passage in Matthew 5.13, you can't do this alone. It's you all are the salt of the earth. You all are the light of the world. Jesus is speaking to disciples, plural, the group. And so our small groups are one of the main, probably the main expression of how we do life together as a church. And uh, this isn't meant in a bad way at all. I'm just stating a fact here. The last two summers as a church, we haven't really done community that well. Um, and, and if that sits on anybody, it sits on me. Uh, because we've taken kind of a break from groups in the summer. But as a church, uh, uh, we're, we're not really going to take a break this summer. It's going to be a little different pace. And uh, be patient with your group leaders because we're still figuring out 
um, what that pace will look like. But there will be group throughout the summer, and uh, this will help us to uh, live out this challenge that we, we don't do this alone. We don't meet with God and then share our faith and then uh, not tell other people about it. No, it's all, it's all connected. And this is something that as groups and in our relationships, we can be praying for and celebrating um, as we move towards this. So the goal here is to focus on being who we already are in Christ. And out of our being flows our doing. Like Jesus said, you are the salts of the earth. You are the light of the world. And, and only then does he move and say, let your light shine. And so we, 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 we need to focus on our being with Jesus. And as we do, we'll find ourselves more and more convinced that Jesus' way of living, that his teaching, it's a really good idea. It's, it's a really good way to live. So we're going to end this time, this, this message, by just a, a small microcosm of practicing our being. So it'll be a time of silence and stillness. And I, here, here's what I just want to encourage you to do, is receive your identity as being loved by God. Um, don't even respond. Just keep receiving. <laughs> Um, we'll respond together in song. And but before we start, know that this isn't some super spiritual time. So if someone's phone goes off or if you hear kids yelling downstairs, uh, that's fine. Like you can even go and attend to your kid if they're the screaming one. Um, but uh, yeah, regardless, and, and, and it might be that in the silence, you do experience um, Christ coming to you and affirming uh, your belovedness in him in a unique way. And, and you know, it, you might not feel anything, but, um, but it's true. In Christ, you are loved. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And we need to stay connected to that identity. So let's begin. Just, just bask in God's love for you and accept your identity.